Church, I really believe that God is ready to advance his people. I really do. I, I know that we're going through some troubled times and, and some, you know, really some times we've never been through before. Um, and a lot of, when you go through those moments, you either fall prey to fear, uh, intimidation, and then the words that the world has to offer you, or you really, as a believer in Christ Jesus, fall upon him and his word and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I, I believe what you have to say. And, and, and you become stronger and greater. And I'm, I'm leaning on him. I'm, I'm learning even more to lean upon him. A lot of things out there, a lot of voices, a lot of confusion of, uh, as to what to believe and what not to believe and, and all that stuff. And I, I will just tell you this, and when you're in confusion, that's not a good place to be because God says he's not the author of confusion. He really does have a word for you and me each and every day and it's consistent and it's profound and it's life changing and it builds us up in faith and gives us hope because the world, when the world can't give it to you, God can. This is what he does. And this is what the world is crying out for. They want people that they can go to, admire, watch, emulate that they see have something different than they have. And that's a peace that surpasses all understanding. God did not say that bad things would not happen to us. He did say, however, that we could have peace in the midst of the storm and that we could have joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I believe God is wanting to take us to that next level, advance us into the future. But sometimes we get so bogged down with the bad news and what's not happening, and what has not been applied to us yet, and promises that have not come to pass. And so there we stay in that zone. Um, <laughs> I'm reminded of a time that my wife and I, we were on vacation. I think it was an anniversary. And, um, and I know she's watching, hey, baby girl. Say hello to Pastor Robin. I know she's watching. She can hear you. And, uh, and so we went uh, to New York, and had a great time there and uh, saw a couple plays and stuff. We liked that kind of thing. And then uh, we drove to Atlantic City from there to spend a day or two there. Now, we're not gamblers. That's not what we do, you know. But, but we, we wanted to just have a good time and they have great restaurants. And it's a great, they got a beautiful, um, uh, what do they call it, river? Or, no, it's um, a boardwalk. I want to say river. It's not a river, it's the ocean. But it's gorgeous and, you know, it's kind of romantic, all this stuff. So, you know, we said, we're going to go. So we went to a beautiful hotel and we get there. And I mean, it's like ghost town, like nobody's there. This is even pre-COVID. It was just like we were, we didn't know we were in the off season. And I'm not kidding you, in this massive hotel lobby as big as this room times two. And, 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 and you had about maybe 10 people in that whole lobby. So we get up there. The workers were very sweet to us and everything. And we get up there. We're talking, talking about, here's our, you know, here's our reservation. This is our name. Oh, yeah, we've been expecting you. Uh, welcome to our, you know, our, our resort. And they thank you. And they said, you know what? This, out of nowhere. They said, you know what? You guys are very sweet. And what are you here for? So well, we're actually here for our anniversary. Well, happy anniversary. Well, thank you so much. You know what? We're going to go ahead and put you in one of our best suites. We're going to upgrade you from this place to a whole new level. Somebody say amen. amen. And they said, and here's a complimentary drink. So I got a complimentary drink. You know, we drank that with our pinkies out. Come on, somebody. Our pinkies were out. Amen. 
And uh, we enjoyed ourselves. They took our luggage up there, took care of everything, gave us vouchers for a free meal at their best restaurant. Hallelujah. Totally unexpected. And there was favor that showed up from someone who was able to grant us that favor. Y'all don't get me preaching too soon, but we serve a God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, who walks on streets of gold, who says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Thus says the Lord. And he says, I give good gifts to my children. How many is ready for the favor of God to set you up for your next level? Come on, somebody. There was a man, um, well, by the name of David, King David. And King David, um, it was time for him to rule. And Saul was the ruling king at that time. He completely disobeyed God. And God stripped the kingdom from him. And Saul actually was mortally wounded then ended up killing himself by suicide. And, um, and it was a terrible thing. Jonathan would be next in line, which was his son. Now, Jonathan, who was King, king Saul's son, would be next in line, but uh, Jonathan was best friends with David, loved David, and David loved and trusted Jonathan. Didn't trust his dad too much, but definitely trusted Jonathan. And the Bible says that Jonathan also was in war with his father, and he was also mortally wounded and then killed. And so it was, a tr- it was just a tragic thing that happened, and, and, and David mourned it. And David said... Saul never really treated me right. But for the sake of Jonathan and the sake of that legacy, he said, are there any family members among Jonathan's people that are left that I may show him great favor? And there was one, and his name was Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, the Bible says, was born. He had to be wheeled around or carried about because he was, he was born um, where he, he couldn't use his legs. We don't know what happened to him. I think he fell and he became crippled. And, um, and so he was crippled all day, so he could not walk. And so he had to be upon the mercies of others to care for him. And when he heard that David was king, he feared within himself and begged them, please remove me from this palace and stick me in the cave that I may spare my life because certainly David will come after me to kill me because I'm next in line to be the king. He did not know the goodness of David. He did not know the heart and the love that David had for Jonathan's family. He didn't know. And so he was afraid and he had to have others even get him into a cave so he could hide himself. And so now he's in a place of fear. He cannot walk. His walk is destroyed. And David says, please find me if there's anyone. They said, yes, there is Mephibosheth. We weren't supposed to say anything to you, king, because he was afraid. But he's hiding in a cave, and, 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 and he's there, and, and he just, he's afraid of you. He said, afraid of me? I just want to show him blessing and honor. Please bring him to me. And they told Mephibosheth, and he did want to go, as you can understand, because he thought it was a trick, and, but he went anyways. And they took him and carried him in to the king's palace and sat him down in a chair. And the king said, may I have a word with you? He said, yes, my king, you may. He said, I've loved your father, and therefore, because I love your father, I love you. And I'm going to bestow 
the favor that I would show him upon you. He said, you see that table there? That's where we eat. He said, you will always be family to me the rest of your life. You'll always have a place at my table. You'll always be in my palace and in my kingdom. You will always have honor, Mephibosheth. Just when you think that you've been left out, hiding hiding out, afraid over your head, can't get up yourself, can't walk yourself, that's when God says, I'm about to favor you in a way that you've never known in your life. I'm about to take you to another level that you've never understood in your life. I'm going to remove all fear from you. <laughs> Title of my message this morning is Upgrade. Everybody say Upgrade. Father, we love you and we believe in your upgrade. We believe in your favor. We believe, Lord God, in the blessing, the empowerment to prosper to do well, to go over, to arrive into our destiny. We believe, Lord God, in that, and we believe it, Lord God, that so strong that we believe we can't make it without you. And so this morning, Lord God, we thank you that you're in this place. You're moving by your spirit, Lord God. You're reminding us, you're stirring us, you're preparing our hearts, Lord God, for much, much more. We will not be burdened and held down and chained back by our past or the things that the news media reports. For this day, Lord God, is the day of the Lord and we will rejoice and be glad in it because we know that you have all made all things clear and you have favored us in Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen and amen. Major part of moving forward to the next level and getting your upgrade, everybody say upgrade, is having the right voices in your life. Look, the right voice can launch you. The wrong voice can sink you. Say it again. The right voice can launch you and the wrong voice can sink you. That's why you should pray even about the preacher who speaks into you and your family's life. Because just because somebody says they're a preacher, the Bible says, I love the Bible. I love, I'm sticking with the word of God. Because the Bible even says there are wolves in sheep's clothing. You have to be aware and discerning of who the people are that are speaking into your life. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is a follower of Jesus Christ. But in fact, there are charlatans and there are people that are all about the money. There are people that are all about fame and fortune uh, to be to be known. And so they'll trick you and deceive you. And there's all kinds of different patterns to look for. But I will say this, that if you're following the word of God and you have a prayer life that's every single day, you will not be deceived. God will never allow that to happen. And so you got to be careful, even the type of preachers you listen to on social media or you see on television or maybe even in our local assemblies. I, I was listening to a, a, a preacher and, and to be honest with you, I know this preacher pretty well. Also, I've noticed that they have gotten off course in the last about 18 months or so. And I will say that, that it has saddened me and grieved me to the core. And I thought, I'm just going to find out what they've been talking about lately. I've seen some of their posts, but I'm going to get online and find out what they're talking about. And it grieved me, saints. It grieved me so much because they, this is a statement. This is a quote. Salvation will never come to your house because you haven't paid back what God has required you to pay back. You may say, I'm sorry, but God requires that you pay back it back. 
that is utter and total nonsense, and it's not the word of God whatsoever. Now, you know me. I don't talk about other preachers. I didn't give you his name. I'm not going to do that, but here's what I will tell you this. you got to understand what the word of God says. The, here's what the Bible says about your salvation. He's saying you got to pay God for it. But the Bible says that salvation is a gift from God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't boast about it. Now, if you could work for it, you could boast about it. But the fact that Jesus Christ, he did what? He paid the price for our sin because we couldn't. So you can't pay it back. And we start thinking about paying things back. Now you're getting a form, a form of works. Now I've got to do all these things to please God. One thing pleases God. The Bible says faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. If I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came and died for my sin on a cross called Calvary, shed his blood, because with the shedding of blood, the Bible says that without shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So he just shed his innocent blood, and that God raised him from the dead, that is no longer dead, but now he is alive. Y'all gonna have me preaching this morning, but he's alive and well. I said, our Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. Follow all other religions and you'll find out there's a dead man at the end of that religion. But with our God, he is alive and he is well. For God was faithful and raised his son up from the dead. I can't pay for that. I can't get my checkbook out for that. I can't get my debit card out for that. I can't get on PayPal for that. I can't work hard enough for that. I simply got to receive it by faith and say, thank you, Jesus, that you paid my price. Come on. That is the basis, the crux of Christianity is that I can't earn it. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough money. I am a pulper and I need Christ and Christ alone. Again, you need a voice, but you need the right voice. Let me make this statement to you. Whoever has your ear more than likely will have your future. Well, I just said something real strong right there. So think about it right now. Who do you allow into your life that speaks into your life? Because whoever you allow to speak into your life will have hold of your future. They're directing and guiding you into a certain place. Whoever you listen to the most will structure your belief system. So again, I ask, who are you listening to? I, I like certain guys. I like Joe Rogan. I like Joe Rogan. He's a, he's a good guy, I guess, for the most part. part. But he's not a Christian, and he'll tell you he's not a Christian, right? But he's pretty smart. I'm not listening to Joe Rogan to get my advice for life. Or whoever you like to listen to that's out there that may have worldly counsel that seems okay, that seems pretty good, but in the end, it's futile. They're still asking the same questions you are. But that's why we need the word of God because the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, that book is a holy book and it's been proven over and over and over to be the holy book of God. And that's why you need that Bible because it, when you put it first place in your life, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more word of God I put in me, the more faith lifts inside of me. When faith lifts inside of me, hope takes a hold. Come on, somebody. 
And hope is what gets me up every single day. I'm hoping that things are changing. I'm hoping that God is doing something. I'm hoping, right? But then faith says, not just hope that something's going to happen, but I believe God is doing something. I believe change is taking place. I believe God is in control of my life. So the first voice I'm allowing in my life is the voice from the word of God which is God himself. So you have to be careful of the environments that you set yourself into and the information that you perceive to be true because there's so much information. We live in the age of information and we have learned, hopefully you've learned not to be so naive that not all uh, information is truth. We have found that out with even with our media. They'll say one thing, turns out to be a lie, and two weeks later, you can't even trust the media anymore. That's getting, it's getting that bad. And so now then, how do we, people, just because they stand up and talk authoritative doesn't mean they're right. So we don't base what we, our, our, our perception. We don't base on perception. We base it on the word of God who said, God said, my word is above my very name. It's higher. It's forever settled in heaven. Uh, Jesus Christ, did you know that another name for Jesus is the word of God? That's, he is the word made manifest in the flesh. And so you have to trust what the word says. And you'll never falter. You'll never fail. Perception will get you in trouble. Now, I have not told the story forever. And it was like maybe the Holy Ghost must have reminded me. Or it's just myself. I don't know. But either way, I think it's pretty good. I used to be a praise and worship leader many years ago in Beloit, Wisconsin. And so I worked for my, my dad. My, 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 my wife and I both did. Kids were pretty small. And so I was the praise and worship leader at, in, in those days. It had many hats, but one, that was one of the hats that I had. And, uh, and so our worship team was getting some notoriety in the area. We were traveling a little bit to different churches, and it was kind of fun. And we had, uh, my dad at the time had a radio um, uh, ministry, and so at the time radio was pretty big. And so we were on there, and it was gaining a lot of traction. We put our music on there. It was pretty cool. And so, um, but um, here I am, blood-bought, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, man of God. Have a certificate to prove it on my wall. Praise God. It says, I was ordained on such and such a date. Hallelujah. Pastor Jeffrey D. Pruitt. And I found out something that even though I have all those titles and I'm saved and all that's true, I still got flesh. I still get angry. I still get upset. I still get sad. I get depressed. I, I noticed a lot of my personality didn't change even though I'm, I didn't like a lot of that stuff. I'm working on that stuff, but I was a work in progress. Don't look at me like that. So are you. That's why I see you sometimes, amen. I see you sometimes, on, amen, in that traffic and you're giving people the one-way sign. Hallelujah. But it's with the wrong finger. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord, but it wasn't that finger, praise God. But I know you love God. God's working on you. Hallelujah. Okay? So <laughs> I was having a bad day, y'all. You have to have mercy. I was having, and I'm young. I'm in my 20s. I'm having a bad day. And uh, my wife needed to go to uh, uh, Walmart to pick up a couple things. Now, I don't know about your, your wife, but, but I, I, I've never had this kind of a wife where she just goes in, grabs something, and comes right back out. Y'all don't have a wife like that either. My wife, she got to be in there. My, my wife got to be in there for 35, minimum 35, 40 minutes for the one item she's supposed to get and comes out with like six bags. 
well, this was on sale and that was on sale. And did you, I thought, but when I got, as soon as I got in there, I realized I needed this, that, and the other. And I'm like, Lord, just get out, get the stuff. And so I'm having a bad, it's hot, air conditioning wasn't working. I'm in the room, we had this van that we had. And, and, um, and so I decided, well, what, you're going to go in and get out? She promised me, I'm just going to go in and come right back out. So I pull in the lane that the husbands go in, that curb right in front of the building when they have a promise from their wife that they're going to go in and come right back out. I know there's a yellow strip there. I know there's yellow strips like this that park right on top and it says no parking. I realize it says fire lane. But they're going in and right out. And I don't want to play. So I'm, 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 and I'm having a bad day. And there's no air conditioning, neither. So she goes in and uh, I noticed people were coming out with their carts. And they're just looking at me like this. Now, in my Holy Ghost, blood-bought, sanctified, spiritual man of God that I am, mind, I'm thinking, what are they looking at? Oh, because I'm parked here? You're going to judge me because I'm parked here? In my mind, I'm thinking everybody's judging me because they're looking at me funny. In my mind, this is how it's going. So about two or three days that happened, and I said, this is where you get in trouble. Be careful with the vows that you make in your heart. And I said, the next person that looks at me like that, I'm going to let them know. That's exactly what I said. I'm going to let them know. I didn't know what I was going to let them know, but I'm going to let something come out. And this guy and his wife or somebody was in front of him, and he's just going real slow looking at me like this. Real slow looking like this. And I'm thinking, no, no, please don't, no, please don't. Jesus, Father, Holy Ghost, angels, anybody up there, help me. And he's walking across. And as he's walking across, I said, that's it. And I, guys, like a heathen, I pulled myself out of my van. I looked at this guy, and all I could think of, because I'm thinking, he's looking at me like he know me. He don't know me. You don't know me. You don't, who, you think you know me? So I pulled myself out of the van and said, hey, do I know you? To which he said, yeah, aren't you that praise and worship leader down there in Beloit? To which I said, praise the Lord, I thought I knew who you were. Perception becomes reality. I said, perception becomes your truth. I thought the guy's judging me. He was just trying to recall me and thought I was a spiritual man of God. How wrong he was. Has anybody ever had that happen to them before? <laughs> I will tell you, it's not fun. Perception becomes reality. Now, I want to say this this morning. No matter how mature you become in Christ and his word, you're still going to need a mentor. A spiritual daddy, spiritual father, spiritual mama, spiritual mother. Somebody who's been there, done that, got the t-shirt and can tell you you're not going the right way or you are going the right way, who can mentor you. Now, I, I've been doing this for many, many years. Most of you know who Danny Gokey is and, and I'll be honest with you, um, and it's been just an honor and a privilege. He tells everybody everywhere he goes, I hear it. And then I'll hear it back to me. I've heard his wife tell me, he loves you. 
He tells everybody you're his spiritual papa. He tells everybody that. You know, he don't have to do that. He's got great teaching now where he's at. He's got a great church there when he's in town. He's got great people and men of God around him, but still considers me to be his spiritual. You need somebody who's not afraid that just because you have a name and fame who can tell you like it is because you love that person. It's not because you love the things they can give you, but you love that person. Everybody needs it. Elisha needed Elijah. David needed Samuel. Solomon needed David. Moses needed Jethro. Timothy needed Paul. And it goes on and on. In other words, you need someone who is mature in the things of God that you trust to speak into your life. And there are three levels of hearing or discerning God's voice. The first one is the time-honored tradition, which is the word of God. But number, in other words, they all, they all are kind of like that. But number one is this. Number one, you hear God's voice through a mentor or a spiritual father. Where do, where do you get that from? Well, look at Psalms, rather look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1. Now, the boy, the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no widespread revelation, and it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down, he was complacent. Now, Eli was the priest, and he's lying down. He's no, no longer in his position of authority in that place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see, his vision was leaving him. So, now he's, I'm talking about revelation now, he's, he's out of his place positionally, and his vision now has left him. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, the pre which, by the way, represents the presence of God and the light of his word, because it was always lit up, while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and, and he answered, here, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I didn't call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose and went to Eli and, 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 and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Okay? Now Samuel did not, not yet know that the Lord, it was the Lord, nor that the word of the Lord yet had been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. Now there's a lot of revelation. Samuel being the next generation, which could be, mean you and I. The old guard um, has grown dim. And uh, they, can't, they have no more vision. They're no longer in their place of authority. And so God begins to speak to another generation. There's a lot of incredible revelation there. But for sake of time, let's get back to what we're talking about. Samuel heard God's voice. He was hearing God, but it sounded like Eli. Who was Eli? His spiritual father, his mentor. I have had people tell me this over and over and over 30 some years of 30, 30 years of ministry this year, that, that they have said to me and said, um, uh, Pastor, I was going to do such and such, and then I heard your voice. Or it was a, what, what it was was a reminder of a message that I preached, and they could hear me say this, that, the other, or something, a, a phrase I say, and I didn't do it, and I knew that was God. 
Or they'll say, I had a dream and you were in my dream. I should have said, hi, <laughs> but, but you're in my dream. And you said such and such. And so God, obviously I wasn't involved in that, but God allowed you to dream that dream about your spiritual mentor saying such and such. I've heard people say that many times. Or they've heard my voice in prayer. And they'll hear uh, uh, something, uh, uh, they just hear my voice. And I know that sounds spooky, but the truth is I have done the same with my spiritual mentors. My dad was my first spiritual mentor, so therefore I heard his voice a lot. By the way, that's kind of easy because think about this. Your children hear your voice because you've been their mentor their whole life. So when they're in trouble, they'll hear mom's voice or they'll hear dad's voice, right? Or you heard your mother or your father's voice, right? You just do. You can't help it. So that's how you begin to hear. First Samuel 3, though, verse 10 says, Now the Lord came and, spoke, and stood and called as other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both, at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In other words, it's going to be massive what I'm about to do. Statement. God will only give you as much as you're willing to respond to him. So he wants, God wants to show something big to Samuel. Probably want to show it to Eli. But Eli was now unwilling to hear it. So he goes to another generation, to others, and says, are you, are you willing to, do you have ears to hear what I'm about to say to the church? Can you hear it? Because if you can hear it, I'll respond accordingly. Okay, do we have some people that want to hear God's voice in this day? Well, it's not, you don't have to be a prophet, and it's not a mystery. You can hear God's voice every day. You will first learn it through a mentor, and then you'll go to the next stage. What's the next way? Number two, you hear God's voice through his word. Through his word. First Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All the scripture, God-inspired. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In other words, it's good for everything you need in life. The word of God. Number three, you hear God through your own voice. Your own voice. By the way, where is the Holy Spirit once you receive Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior? He lives in us. He said he will come and he'll be in you, right? So he lives inside of us. So everywhere we go, it shouldn't be uncommon to hear the voice of God because we take him, like we become the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he lives and abides inside of us. And he's a gentleman and he's not gonna make you do anything you don't wanna do. And he'll go wherever you take him. And that should be food for thought as well because you shouldn't be taking him certain places you've been taking him lately. Amen. Amen. <laughs> So the Holy Spirit then begins to speak through you. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you, they tell you a problem at the moment you didn't know what to say, but when it was your turn to talk, somehow, suddenly you have the words, they start, they start flowing out of you, and it's the wisdom of God. Where did that come from? It came from the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. So you hear God's voice through your mentor, you hear God's voice through the Word of God, and you hear God, God's voice through your own words. He becomes, you become enamored with him, become one with him to the place that when you talk, you know that's God. I've been in prayer and be speaking in prayer, just talking to the Lord. And then I'll, I'll ask a question and answer my question. I went, that was God. I didn't think of being very special at the time. I didn't feel any vibrations or weirdness or I didn't feel like angels were flying up and down on a ladder to come to me. None of that. 
but I knew that I'd heard the voice of God and it came from my own voice. Amen. And by the way, I do this all the time while I'm preaching. There's things that I'll hit, even did, did today, that's by the Spirit and I'm saying things that I have not prepared to say. That's, I call that prophetic preaching. So look, if someone isn't speaking into your future, I'm gonna say this real, get this down. If someone's not speaking into your future, you'll be stuck in your past. All right, now let's take a look at the life of Ruth. I see my time, I'm running low. Let me just get, get this out. Let's look at the life of Ruth real quick, who is a type of the bride of Christ, type of the church. Ruth's husband had died and she decided to stay connected with Naomi, who was her mother-in-law. You, you know the story? God was getting ready to upgrade her, but it looked like she was moving backward and in despair, she'd lost her husband, which meant in those days, you lost everything. Woman didn't work outside of the home, okay? So she had no support at all. Naomi is her mother-in-law, which means she lost her son, and she lost another son, which I don't have time to get into that right now. So she was already in time of mourning in her own life. This was the end of an era for Ruth. Let me just say, it may have been the end of an era for Ruth, but it didn't mean it had to be over for Ruth. Just because the chapter is now coming to an end and relationships now, the doors are beginning to close around you, does not mean it's the end for you. Sometimes, and I will say almost all the time, God is, <laughs> I don't know if I can say all this right now in the spirit, I, I, let me just say, there are never two doors open with God over your life at the same time. Everything's by faith. Everything's by faith. He's got a million ways to get you out of your problem, but the Bible says that with the temptation, he'll make the way of escape. So he has a plan. He has the way for you. And so when God closes a door in your life, it's only to open a door in your life. So when God closes that relationship door, it's to open a new relationship door. When God closes a financial door, it's to open a new one. Now the cool thing with God, God always upgrades you or takes you to the next level. So what happens is we get so upset the doors close, we stay in a place of negativity, we don't trust God for the next door to open, and so we're always waiting for that old door to, to open back up so we can get back through. Somehow God's gonna make a way to make that happen. But God said, I'll never make the way. You can't, don't stay in frustration the rest of your life. I wanna move you to the next level of your life. Everybody say, it's time to upgrade. Amen. So, so, it looked like it just, just because, but I'll say this too, just because a tree is pruned. Have you ever seen a tree get pruned before? You know, my, when I came, my, when I lived a, a different place and I was pastoring in Janesville and, um, and um, uh, we had a guy who would take care of our lawn for, for us. He did a really good job. But one day I came, I came home and my beautiful bushes, gorgeous bush stood this high, all across the front, green and luscious and getting bigger all the time, were cut, like, almost like somebody mowed them over till they were this big and about that high. I'm thinking, who did this? So I called my, my guy, Dave. I said, Dave, man, what happened to my, my bushes? They got killed out here. Oh, yeah, 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 I did that. I'm thinking, I'm going to kill this guy. What's his problem? Destroyed my bushes. And I said, what? And I kind of laughed because I didn't know what else to do. 
And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Those bushes, you see, you have to, he said, you got to cut those things down. You got to prune those things every couple years. Otherwise, they get unruly. What happens, they'll grow so fast on you, and all you're going to have is a trunk. And you have a trunk this high, all brown, and then the leaves will be on top of it. But he said, but if I keep that thing pruned and keep it tight, but every couple years it'll look small. He said, but don't worry about it, preacher. He said, in about two or three weeks, it's going to fill right in. He said, within the end of the month, it'll be almost the size it was. Now, you've got to be kidding me. He said, trust me. He was exactly right. Because a professional knows you have to prune something to get the best out of it. If you don't prune the apple tree... The apple tree will bear less and less fruit and it will become inadequately sized and it could be, it could be bitter and it won't be right. But, if the, the, but the farmer knows or the, whoever the guy does the trimming on those, like, he knows if I can trim these branches, yeah, it'll look smaller, but next spring, it's going to have the best amount of fruit it's ever had on this tree and it'll taste wonderful, right? So in other words, in other words, you got to understand that just because it's being pruned doesn't mean God intends for it to die. So if you've been feeling like it's been inching back on you a little bit and like, man, I'm, I have less now than I had five years ago, you may be in a pruning period in your life. But God only pruned it back so he can give you his very blessed, his very best to upgrade you for the next part of your life. Somebody say amen. And, and the story goes on and talks about how Ruth was given uh, instruction for Naomi. She said, now go out gleaning. And gleaning just meant you go out into the fields and whatever the farmers don't pick up, you pick up. And typically for a very, very low price or for nothing at all, the farmers will allow you to keep it. And so she found a, a field by the, uh, by the name, who owned it by the name of Boaz. And Boaz owned this field and saw her gleaning. And after several days, said, who is this woman? She was obviously very attractive because he was like, I want to get to know her. And he was also impressed because she was out there working, working and gathering up all this stuff. And so Naomi, she told Naomi, uh, Ruth came back and said, there's this guy named Boaz. He's kind of cute. And he owns the whole field. She goes, I'll tell you what you do. She said, now go out. And what you do is you, uh, you, you hang out with the other women there. Now get to know them a little bit. Get to know them a little bit because God's doing something between you and Boaz. I see what, daughter, listen to me. God's about to do something for you. He's about to upgrade you, but you don't even know it yet. So what's he telling her to do? He's telling her before Boaz can upgrade you, you got to be around the right people. Okay? Church, this is so powerful because, because we want to do it our way. And we hang around the people who are dragging us back and hanging. It's not that you don't love them. It's not that you're not there for them. It's not there. But you can't hang with them every weekend. Are y'all hear what I'm saying? Love them, witness to them, tell them about the Lord, invite them to the house of God. All that's great. But you can't just hang out with people who are not going the same direction as you. The Bible says that, that you're unequally yoked. Darkness and light cannot come together. One's going to win. Guess what wins? Light. Always beats darkness. And church, life brings both good and bad. I hate that part. I wish when I came to Jesus, everything was just good, 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 good. I found out that wasn't true. But he gives us grace and a joy and, like I said earlier, a peace that's unexplainable to go through the bad. And, and you know, Sometimes I think that it's not how we respond 
to the bad as much as sometimes it's how we respond to the good. Because we've kind of been taught how to deal with the bad, but how do you deal when you've been favored and blessed and, and, and that you've got more than you've ever had before in your life? And Because I've watched a lot of people lose their ever-living minds when they get a little money in their pockets and forget about God. They want to do their own life. Next thing you know, they're in all kinds of problems and they lose all their money. How many, how many times we got to hear this? Amen. And so how do you respond when God does favor you? How do you respond when God does bless you? We gotta, I'm, what I'm trying to teach you all is this. we got to get prepared for the blessing because it's coming. The upgrade is coming. Jesus, remember Jesus said, he, he gives the parable, and he said uh, there was a man that sowed seed and wheat. He said, but in the nighttime, the, the enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat. He sowed weeds among the wheat. And they woke up and said, well, what should we do? Should we get rid of the, the tares? He said, no. Don't do that. What people understand is wheat and tear looks exactly the same when it's immature. When it comes to full maturity, then you can tell the difference. He said, no, don't pull up the tares lest you pull up the wheat with it. Go ahead and let them grow together, good and bad, in the same field. But when it matures, come on, y'all. When it matures, you'll see the difference and discern what is right and what is wrong and then rip it out. And bind up those tares and throw them in the fire. And then go ahead and collect your harvest. Somebody say amen. amen. It's time for us to get prepared for the upgrade. It's time for us to go where we've never been, we've never been before. And God has a plan for that. He's making arrangements for that right now. So the more bad you hear, just know the good is growing up right beside it. And when the time comes, y'all... Time to put in the thistle so we can work. Now, by the way, by the way, harvest is great. Everybody loves harvest, but the problem with the harvest takes work. Not everybody is going to be, that was beautiful. That was perfect. <laughs> because the truth is, is that, is that not everybody's willing to work the field to get the harvest. You got to be willing to work. Everybody say, work? It's a four-letter word, but it's one you're actually able to say. W-O-R-K, work. And now you go for it. I, I, I say this and we're closing. But that's why our church has been so dedicated to winning souls over the years. But if you've been with me a long time, you know we had to work to do that. Right? What I, meant, what I mean by that is we put on those productions. We put on those plays. And we worked and worked and worked to get it right so that we can show people, you know, a good, a good product. And then at the end of the day, when that performance is done, we win people to Jesus by the hundreds and hundreds. They come into the kingdom of God. Why? Because we were willing to go after the harvest. Are you willing to go after your harvest? Because if you're just going to sit back and wait for it to happen, you might get a harvest, but if, you, if there's no workers in the field, it'll just die in the vine. It's time for the church to be prepared for good, harvest, plenty, overflow, upgrade, next level. Amen.